Hello and welcome back for another episode of the Creative Me podcast and these special um, conversations in partnership with Northlands Creative. Today, my guest is Jessamy Kelly. Um, she's based in Edinburgh. She is a glass artist, a lecturer, and she also works with ceramics. So I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it too. And as usual, I'll catch you at the end. All right, see you soon, guys. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Create Me podcast and these series of special conversations with glass artists um, just across Europe and today my guest is um, Jessamy um, Kelly. How's it going Jessamy? Good thank you, thanks for having me. No worries, did I pronounce that right this time? Your name? Yes, yeah, you got it right. Oh, okay, yeah. brilliant. Yeah, so um, <laughs> um, Jessamy, um, just for the listeners, could you just kind of tell them a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so um, I'm a glass artist based in Edinburgh. Um, I've been here for nearly 20 years, actually, um, um, working in Edinburgh. Um, I'm also an educator, so I teach at Edinburgh College of Art. Um, So I'm programme director for the Glass MFA there, and I've been there since about 2012. Um, But yeah, working a mixture of kind of part-time lecturing and, and also working as a glass artist and designer. So keeps me busy. Okay, cool. That sounds really good. So, you know, I'm quite kind of curious, like, how did you kind of like um, find yourself over the years becoming interested in working with gloss? Yeah, well, it's a bit of an interesting story, I guess. I actually started off working in ceramics at high school, which kind of extended into my art foundation. So I kind of thought that I was going to be a ceramicist to begin with. Um, But then I applied to the glass and ceramic course at the University of Sunderland and um, once I got there, the glass got me, and yeah, that's about 20 years ago, over 20 years ago. So yeah, it's been a, a long time working in glass. Okay, and do you kind of come from a family of like artists as well? Yeah, well, my dad did a fine art degree when I was actually quite young, when I was about five years old. So I think that was quite influential. And I think he took me to his degree show, and I said, "Yeah, I want the white space, Daddy." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it kind of got to me. Yeah. And then my mum, my mum's very good with colour, so yeah. Okay, that sounds kind of really interesting. And I guess you said like um, you've been in Edinburgh for like was it twenty years now? Yeah, yeah, long yeah. time. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, no. So, and how did that kind of career then come in between interest of working and creating with glass to actually becoming like a educator as well? Yeah, so I guess it's quite an interesting story. Um, so. I, I did my first degree, so my BA in Sunderland, which is quite close to where I'm from. I'm from Newcastle. Um, and straight away after I graduated, I was really lucky to get a scholarship for a master's um, degree at Edinburgh Co- College of Art. So that was back in 2001. And um, I started working at the college, but also I was a part, kind of a, a student um, industrial designer mm-hmm. at Edinburgh Crystal. And so I started working working for them after I graduated, um, working on kind of quite, quite kind of high-end crystal, um, quite different kind of stemware. I did some lighting for them when I was there. So quite interesting. And I worked there for a long time. Um, but, but I was kind of missing, I was missing the studio. I was missing the craft element of my practice. So I started a PhD back in 2004, again, back to the University of Sunderland. And did that for five years part time, and I really think that's why I got my job really um, at the university was because I had that PhD, and they were really keen to get kind of an early career researcher into the role. I lived in Edinburgh already, um, so yeah, it worked out really well for me, and I've been there, yeah, gosh, yeah, 
nearly eight years. Yeah, eight years. So okay, time flies. Yeah, and I guess as well, like I've been asking all the kind of previous um, podcast guests um, in these series of conversations, just about the general thoughts about the kind of pandemic and I'm always quite keen to kind of find out um, from educators who are working with glass actually how has that kind of impacted on that kind of landscape of actually teaching people I mean yeah it was a huge impact for us so you know as with the rest of the UK we had to close our facilities back in March um, which was really really difficult to do when you you've got such a practical subject as glass making you know there's not much that you can do from home um, so you managed to see through our students that were they were kind of eight weeks into their course and they study for 12 weeks so we managed to, to kind of push them through to the very end um, but they didn't get to finish their final products which was a shame um, but they did a lot of kind of realization and reflection on, on the point to where they got to and then my final year students I actually we actually ended up deferring them so they're going to come back in March um, 2021 and complete their degree um, okay. and I just felt like that was the best thing I didn't really want them to to try and finish a degree without getting the final work and so many of my students don't do it for a piece of paper they do it for the portfolio of finished work um, and it just didn't seem fair to try and push them to finish without getting that finished body of work which I mean yeah. is really important I mean that's the whole point of doing the degree is to get this amazing portfolio so yeah, yeah they're going to come back in March so we look forward to them coming, coming back to us then yeah and, and I, I guess as well, like, I guess in fact for you, a part of like, you know, your teaching and educating is that there will be some elements of kind of taking that onto like an online kind of platform as well. Yeah, no, we did, we kind of quickly had to, to get into that mindset, which is not something that we've done a lot of. So, yeah, we had to think about running online seminars, tutorials, which are quite simple. It's, we use Microsoft Teams, but it's very much like Zoom. So, you just, I think with physical work, it really isn't the same. So I'm, I can sit here and be like, oh, here's my glass. Uh-huh. And you can see it on the screen, but it's not the same as being able to pick it up and experience it. And, you know, if a student's got, you know, 20 samples of work, to just for them to hold it up to the screen, it's just not quite the same as that in-person one-to-one teaching. But we've, the whole university, because Edinburgh College of Arts part of the University of Edinburgh, We've had to go to this hybrid system. And I think coming back this September, we're definitely more more prepared um, and we could record a lot of our lectures. So we do this thing called Flipped Classroom where the students listen to the recording of the lecture and then we hold a seminar group afterwards and we are able to chat through, set questions and get them maybe to be a bit more interactive. So it's quite good in that they've had time to prepare something. They've listened to it they've reflected on the information and then they can get a good conversation going with some examples that they found online or things that are kind of specific to their practice. So it's, it's quite useful that way. And, you know, I think maybe it is part of the future, the online, some of some online delivery for certain things, but, you know, with such a practical subject like glass, I mean, we really, we really need to be in the building. Um, yeah. It's such specialist equipment that we have. Um, and so from kind of day one of lockdown, I was just desperate to work out how we would get the students back um, for start of term in September mm. and what that would mean for them. And I'm really pleased to say that we've got them back in and they're working um, and the studios are open. And I just think it's so important. We're obviously ex- exercising social distancing, yeah. but, but the students are able to blow glass. They're back in the plaster room, the kiln room, you know, they're fully functioning. And um, I guess, I guess they would tell me and they would want people to know is that they're, 
time is a bit more restraint and they don't get a full day, they get half day sessions. So, you know, we're all working within kind of tighter constrictions. Um, but again, they have to be more organized. So they have to come and be planned to know what they want to do in that three hour session. And, you know, maybe that is quite a healthy thing to, to, to be able to do. Because when you do finish um, university, you know, you're starting to hire other people's facilities and you don't go in and, and wander around and think what you're going to do. You go in with an action plan. Yeah. And so this is like a kind of a speeded up version of the future for them, I think. Um, no, so yeah, yeah. Kind of get focused. Yeah. It, no, it sounds really good that, you know, you know, to get um, the young like students actually in, like, obviously, like you said, like, you know, social distancing and, and you know, it's kind of picking up on what you're saying that, you know, kind of almost like it's a bit of an acceleration in terms of their kind of like professional development. You yeah, know? for well, sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and obviously having to work online as well. I think online portfolios are going to be a huge thing for them, absolutely. especially if you can't have that many exhibitions. So, you know, all the digital skills they've learned in a really fast period, I think, are, are so advantageous for their yeah. futures. So going back to you, Jessamy, and your particular practice of working with glass, like um, what are your what is your particular practice? What are you kind of focused on when you're working with glass? Yeah, so my work's quite varied. Um, I've got a craft and design background in both glass and ceramics. I think I said that. But um, yeah, I completed my PhD back in 2009, which was very much kind of materials and research focused. Um, so I was working on combining glass and ceramics in a hot state, which sounds like, yeah, that, yeah, that, that sounds doable. But when you look at the kind of the the, the kind of structures of glass and ceramics it's quite difficult to do because glass expands when you heat it and ceramics shrink so when you put them together they crack and there's a lot of stress so I was able to match the compatibility of the ceramics with the glass and so I changed the recipe of my ceramic that I was using and and made it made it compatible with glass so it kind of being encapsulated within so you know quite tricky stuff at the time and it wasn't an easy playing field the, the PhD took five years part time okay. and um you know there was a lot of a lot of ups and downs a lot of mistakes a lot of trials and errors which I think probably makes me quite a good educator these days because you know I don't expect perfection from students and I say to them you know we don't assess the the artifact we assess the process and for me process is everything and being able to experiment with new materials and new ideas is such a kind of a joy really and then I've also got this kind of second career or, or, or kind of parallel career as an industrial glass designer. So I worked at Edinburgh Crystal for a long time when I was younger, but I still take on freelance projects. Um, so I'm working with Cumbria Crystal in the Lake District at the minute on a few things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good. It kind of keeps me busy and I love flexing between design and craft. And yeah. I think it kind of keeps me quite agile to the discipline and I can see it from a design perspective or a craft perspective where I can kind of blur those boundaries as I move. Um, and I'm working on some pieces for Northlands at the minute um, for the exhibition. And um, so that's, um, I'm quite interested in sustainability. So I'm working okay. on some recycled glass pieces um, that I've cast up and they've got kind of a landscape feel to them. And kind of, kind of a, a kind of a, a little bit of a comment on the Anthropocene and, and the way that, um, you know, that we approach materials, how materials are so important. They matter so much in our lives. And, yeah. you know, where do we source those materials from? I think is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, You mentioned there that the projects you've got coming up with, like in Cumbria, in the Lake District. The Lake District is a very fun place for me. I got married in Ambleside as oh, well. Oh, there you yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. a really beautiful yeah, place. I know, and it's quite, it can be quite dreek, like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Scotland. 
But um, yeah, this is Ulverston, the factory, and it's a beautiful yeah. place. I mean, it is just outstanding. Um, really, they're very lucky. But things happen to them very often, like the the, the, the bridges are out of order, and there's yeah. a really quite severe weather systems there. So mm. sometimes they can, they can it can come up against their yeah. their livelihoods. But, um, yeah, because well, you was kind of like you mentioned about like you know the kind of process when you were kind of like working with ceramic and glass, like and, and in kind of partnership. And I think that's kind of one thing that kind of highlighted that's kind of through previous conversations actually that there's so much kind of like a lot of hard work and effort goes in and technicality. I think when working with glass, I kind of definitely underestimated that before mm-hmm. getting into these conversations as well. So like you know, how do you kind of like keep yourself kind of that maintain that kind of motivation going when you're kind of like you know, you go through this process and you think it's going really well and you have to kind of start again. For me, I probably have got a little kind of limited kind of like time span in my <laughs> mind to kind of like be that patient. So how do you kind of like keep that motivation going? I think it's the materials. I mean, one of my students was hilarious one day and she's like, glass really hates you back sometimes. You know, right. it doesn't doesn't want to do what, what you want it to do yeah. sometimes and you have to really push it and push yourself a bit. And I guess, I mean, I'm quite a stubborn person. So, you know, my PhD the material testing was horrendous for about three years and really only started working towards the very end. And everyone was like, Oh, you know, I don't think it's going to happen for you, Jess, and you're doing something really difficult. And, you know, maybe you should just, you know, write it up as something that didn't work. And I was like, no, it's going to work. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, just kept trying and trying. And, you know, if you read about people in the past, um, somebody like Palasi, who's like quite a famous ceramicist, he tried to do something similar for years and years and failed and, you know, I think, I think the failure is, is kind of part of the process and, mm. you know, not turning away from it. And I think we're all, you know, lots of glass artists are very aware of, of how difficult things can be at times and, and what you have to keep doing. And sometimes you don't always necessarily want to talk about it, but I think this kind of new Instagram culture is quite interesting because mm. we're sharing an awful lot more about our processes you know, there's, um, lots of, lots of live streams and, you know, you, people are sharing in the kind of the, in the, the process as well as the final piece as well. So I think people are kind of see the value, the value in the, the practice, but also the value in the failure as well. And, you know, I don't think you learn by just doing what works the whole time. I think you learn when you start to go out of your comfort zone and challenge yourself. And um, so, yeah, I guess it's the challenge of the material. Sure. Yeah, you know, absolutely, absolutely agree. I think that's the kind of the thing. It's just like, you know, um, you definitely learn from the failures and the mistakes, don't you? And you definitely kind of get that kind of a little bit more like, okay, I've tried this and then, all right, this works, I'm going to go with this. And like you mentioned there, like the whole kind of social media platform, like I absolutely agree. Like it just kind of like, in terms of many kind of like artistic and kind of creative endeavors, that just kind of opened up this kind of networking kind of platform of people mm-hmm. communicating, following each other, and actually kind of like getting inspired by, you know, each other's um, work. I know you mentioned before, like, you know, your dad, your father was a fine artist mm-hmm. that had some influence on you. But is there anyone else in like, in terms of like the kind of glass community who's really kind of inspired you and influenced you? Um, in terms of the glass community, I'd probably say a really early influence was um, kind of going, well, Prior to glass, my really my first influence was ceramics. It was actually a friend's mum who was a potter, and she just turned around and said to me, "Don't ever let people do things for you, Jessamy. You can do it yourself." Um, I've tiled this entire bathroom. I've done this garden. I've made these pots. You know, I can do whatever I want with my own hands. And now I think I was probably only about ten years old, and I thought, 
that's such a strong message. So she was probably my mentor, um, Sylvia Smith, as a child. But going into kind of the contemporary scene, I mean, it's just mind-blowing. And, you know, I had so many good lecturers um, at Sunderland and Edinburgh College of Art. And I guess one person in particular would be Ray Flavel at Edinburgh yeah. College of Art. And he kind of introduced me to the research process. And just as I started studying there in 2001, he was completing his PhD. And I'd never really thought about further research, but just kind of being in parallel studying and being aware of what his research was doing and the kind of the tools of reflection and studio practice that he was applying really opened my eyes to that kind of further academic field, which I kind of was in the peripheral vision, I guess, but maybe seemed, didn't seem perhaps like a a possibility. It seemed maybe like an expensive route. I've been studying a long time. Was that what I wanted? And then to have that kind of different experience at Edinburgh Crystal to come back um, and want to do that kind of doctoral research, I think was really quite a big turning point. So I'd probably say Ray Flavel was a really strong influence. And then obviously the people that that helped me through my PhD, so Kevin Petrie um, and Silva Petrova were my supervisors at Sunderland. And, you know, they were so kind of supportive and focused on the material research and, and, and how I could get through that process, that difficult process of trial and error. But uh, yeah. definitely my educators would be the biggest support that I've had and inspiration. Yeah. Oh, that's, really, that's really nice to hear. And I guess like another question I kind of had for you was that um, in terms of like your kind of practice, have you kind of been able to kind of like take um, your work to exhibitions and events over the years as well? Yes. I mean, gosh, my CV's crammed with different things. Um, and, you know, I think I was very, at the start of my career, I was open to everything and I probably did a bit too much um, when I did shows all over the place. But um, now I've got two children, so I'm a bit time time poor sometimes and with the heavy teaching load. So I kind of pick and choose my exhibitions. But yeah, I've shown internationally um, in America, throughout Europe, um, and obviously quite a lot in the UK and Scotland. Um, but yeah, getting your work out there. I mean, I just think, yeah, people don't know about you until you shout about it or, you, or yeah. you're showing um, or you're supported. And the gallery support that I've had over the years has been really in, in kind of instrumental in, in my career, really. And yeah. Certain, certain events, like when I first graduated, I did um, uh, New Designers in Islington, London. And then I did it again after my, um, after my master's show. Um, and I, every time I did that show, I would get work, I would get shows, I would get freelance design work. And, you know, it's that kind of exposure, you just, you need it at an early, early stage of your career. And then I guess things just start to roll and, and the exhibitions come through and you get to work with really interesting people. I've worked on interesting collaborations, interesting residencies, you know, it, it starts to kind of fit into place and it defines and structures your career, I guess, as an artist. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's been very, very good. Yeah. yeah that's one thing you only think like, you know, you mentioned about collaborators as well. And that's what I want to ask you about, like, you know, where's your kind of career taking you in terms of actually collaborations in your work? Yeah. So I guess as a, as a, as a, an educator, I get an academic um, percentage to, to my um, to my to my work, um, so I, I can kind of pick and choose um, who I want to work with. And I guess I, I'm in quite a good position in terms of University of Edinburgh and the College of Arts within that. We're a Russell Group University, so we've got access to fantastic funding streams. Um, we can work with interdisciplinary collaborators and researchers within the field or beyond our field. And I think. 
really that 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 the thought of I think before I started teaching at Edinburgh, I was perhaps quite insular to the field and and perhaps a little bit more siloed to the discipline. Um, but working at the university, I mean, it, it really is. It's beyond the field and and that interdisciplinary context, which I find really interesting. So I'm a vice chair of a research group called REFT at the Edinburgh College of Art, and we've got um, members on that who we collaborate and um, partners within um, but within Scotland in the main, but definitely focused on collaborations within craft events and workshops that we can run that encourage collaboration between between myself as a researcher with other researchers, with curators, with um, practitioners anybody within and beyond the field I think so yeah collaboration is is really important and I think I think it's kind of an interesting it's a bit like my my move into design as well because when I first came away from my BA I was a uh, very much on private practice in a sense this kind of independent craft journey where I thought of an idea and I made it myself and I didn't need anybody else in that equation I was very independent and then moving to a design focus, it was, I had to work with other people. I had to work with a team. Um, I made the design and the rest of the factory made my work. And that really kind of freaked me out at the beginning. And then I was like, God, there's so much power in this. I can, we can have together, we can create such a bigger part of something, a bigger, a bigger idea by working with other people. And I think that first collaboration with industry was, was probably a really big eye opener for me. And I think, you know, always I think that that experience has helped me working with others in the future and of course glass blowing hot glass is so so much about teamwork I mean we see beautiful pieces of of glass for example in the National Museum of Scotland and you think oh that's just got one person's name on it but there would have been probably a room of eight or ten people helping to make that one piece so you know it's yes it's the the honor of the artist's idea to be to be named with it but but glass takes a lot of other people to to make it happen sometimes and a lot of our projects, you know, I think they're more interesting for the collaborators and the teams that we can work in, for sure. Mm. And, you know, kind of one thing I've just kind of been very kind of interested in, um, I think I've asked this a couple of times to some of the previous guests, is that um, do you think like the glass industry is a very kind of inclusive um, industry at the moment? Um, the field of studio glass, or, yeah, I guess, um, I guess, it, I mean, you... It's tricky, isn't it? There's something there's something happening really in glass, I think, at the minute. And, you know, studio glass came about in the 60s and the 70s, and it was very much about experimentation, but it was about skill. And, you know, it was important to be skilled and to understand it. Even if you were very experimental, you, you needed to know how to, to, to work in the studios. And there's something called glass sessionism, which started about 2013, and Tim Tate at the Washington Glass School started to discuss it. Um, quite openly through Facebook Um, and he's kind of pushing people to actually move away from um, focus on skill to more artistic conception and he can see this kind of shift in behavior so I think that I guess glass knowledge makes us inclusive and if we don't know that glass knowledge it's difficult to access the facilities or or understand the making of glass but as a glass artist, I think you can shift around the disciplines of craft, design, and fine art. And mm-hmm. I really think the boundaries are blurring. So I guess I guess it, it can look inclusive from an exterior perspective. But I think we're definitely trying to shift towards a more a more kind of open 
um, arena for working. Um, and, you know, there's people like the Renge Studio in Venice and they work, I mean, they work with these amazing fine artists and they become their hands and their ideas are realized through a big production team. So, you know, depending on your budget, I think you can, you can access lots of, of lovely glass making facilities. And I know that Northlands try really hard to not just market to glass artists, they're trying to market to, to the whole field of arts, craft and design. So I think, you know, I think, I think, yeah. And it, I mean, even not just those creative disciplines, I think, you know, there's, there's space for anthropology, there's space for history, there's space for all sorts of, of disciplines within glass. And, you know, it's such a ubiquitous material. I think, I think, yeah, it's quite a gateway material for, for yeah. research, I think. You no, know, this is absolutely what I'm actually kind of discovering through these kind of conversations that, you know, um, it does open up a lot of kind of really important dialogue and conversation and that just starts from glass and, you know, I'm kind of like hopeful with these kind of series of conversations that, you know, it does kind of like, um, has that kind of influence on other kind of creative industries within kind of Scotland as well. You know, mm -hmm. there's so much happening in all different parts of Scotland and I think there should be much more of an interconnection of like dialogue yeah. with each other. Um, but yeah, like, you know, for you then, you know, you mentioned like some up and coming kind of projects like Northlands and in like Cumbria, the Lake District. But for in terms of like your own practice, is there anything that you've been thinking of that uh, I'd like to kind of maybe take a new step or new direction in your kind of work? Yeah, I mean, I'm constantly getting ideas. For me, it's the time, um, you know, I'm quite time poor with everything. But I think that's quite a good thing because I think in my early career, I would probably make every every idea I ever had, I would make. And I was having a bit of a splurge in life, I guess, just kind of, it was easy to make all the time. And now I'll have an idea, I'll draw it out, I'll think about it. I think about it for about three, four weeks. And then if I think, yeah, I still want to make this. I do. Um, but yeah, I mean, certain things, you know, you're getting ready for an exhibition. It's a specific context or a certain environment. You know, you need to prepare yourself for that um, for sure. And I guess for the minute, at the moment, I'm really interested in sustainability. And I think, I think it's such a big kind of debate at the minute in terms of materials, not just within the field of glass, but within the field of craft and design and fine art. I think, you know, the things that we, that we use and, and how we go forwards and glass is such a, a special material that it can be infinitely recycled yeah. um, and reused. Um, and that's, that's kind of quite a big statement. But then when you look actually at, um, you know, Virador take away all our, all our curbside glass, a lot of that goes into landfill. So there's kind of, yeah, oh yeah, we're all doing really good by using glass and it's great and we're, we're saving the environment. But, um, you know, that longer term circular economy actually isn't as perfect as we think. So, you know, I think there's lots and I don't necessarily think that glass is the ideal medium to to realise the, the circular economy because it, it's that kind of a high, high energy um, production to, to get glass. But I think that you can create a kind of a narrative or a debate around um, environmentalism through yeah. through materials. And I think that's probably the most exciting kind of ideas that I have on the table at the minute, for sure. Yeah, That sounds really cool. I really look forward to kind of seeing what comes out of that. And just for our listeners, um, could you kind of let them know where they can kind of find you or like your work online? Yeah, so I've got obviously got my own website, um, jessamikennyglass.com. 
I've got my Instagram. Most of it's just Jess Kelly Glass, um, Facebook, um, Tumblr. So I run a blog as well. Um, so you can have a look through that. And then I've got my gallery representation, which is all linked on my um, on my website. But, you know, in Edinburgh, I've got the Doubtfire Gallery. You know, there's lots of galleries that I've supported and, and shown my work over the years. Um, so they obviously have that online presence for me as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's so important. And, you know, I guess at the beginning of my career, it seems like, quite a big step to get a web page but now you know squarespace is there and everybody can have one for yeah. 10 pounds a month but um <laughs> but, you know i think you know i think it's so important and you know i teach a, a professional development course um at university and yeah, it's all about it's not just for glass students it's for lots of different students in the school of design um, at edinburgh college of art and you know it's that online platform i think you know you need it and it's so important to be able to to get that message through yeah. those those means yeah you know i absolutely agree something that i kind of just discovered when i started the podcast about three years ago that that importance that no one's going to see any of your work unless you're actually putting yourself out there you work out mm-hmm. there for people to actually engage with to get feedback and stuff so yeah you know i mm-hmm. absolutely agree with that and it's good that you're actually teaching like that kind of like um development course as well yeah. but um yeah jessamy i really want to thank you for coming on the podcast and being a guest on your series of conversations in partnership with northland's creative i really appreciate you taking the time out to you know, speak oh, to us about pleasure. your work as well but thank you and yeah i yeah. hope, hope everyone else enjoyed this episode bye see you soon brilliant bye So that was my conversation with Jessamy Kelly. I want to thank Jessamy for coming on the podcast and sharing her story with us. Definitely much appreciated. And guys, that's also a wrap on this series of conversations in partnership with Northlands Creative. You know, I'm not going to lie, I've become really invested in this project and I've really enjoyed the whole kind of process and speaking to a diverse range of really interesting people, you know, who just happen to work with Glass and they're really kind of, you know, cool at what they do. And, you know, for me, yeah, it's, it's something that I'd definitely like to kind of explore in the future, you know, doing kind of little kind of like podcast episode projects like this. So I definitely want to thank the uh, Northlands creative team in particular, Karen and Laura, you know, just from the get go back in August, getting in touch with me. And it just kind of seemed to really work out very well that, you know, they've been very supportive of the project. So big shout outs to them. And also a big thanks as well to the episode sponsors, um, Creative um, Scotland and Creative Europe. You know, without their support, these conversations wouldn't be possible. So big shout outs to them. And yeah, I hope you guys, you know, continue to um, listen to the podcast if you just discovered it via these series of conversations. And also, yeah, I'm going to be doing a few more kind of interesting things in like 2021 that I hope you guys, you know, will kind of like tune into and find interesting. But that's enough for me rambling on. Take care, guys, and I'll catch up with you soon. All right, bye for now.